1: This is the Winning Plays podcast on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider for the NBA's winningest franchise. Winning Plays podcast is back for probably the second to last time of 2022. My name is Brian Robb, and I had to bring back Ryan Bernardoni at Danger Cart for this one because, Ryan, the people rightly so are demanding an apology from me, from you, for uh, talking up. Uh, this Celtics team into the uh the elite of the elite two weeks ago, um uh, after a a thorough beatdown of the Phoenix Suns, and then apparently forgetting how to uh, put the ball in the basket for the last two weeks, um on top of some other issues there. But uh, how, do you do you take full response or what's what's our level of responsibility here? Uh, first of all,
0: well, it's got to be something because I mean we go back before that a month ago we did a pod where we praised Sam Hauser and he. Yeah, we a then. <laughs> and then we, you know, did, a, we did a podcast where we literally said like the two points of it were it's very difficult to see this team with any three game losing streaks coming after which they lost five out of six games they the should have lost one all six was, in the a one row it wasn't overtime they should have the, lost that other one they should have now lost three in a three row. row and the other player we praised was saying that Derek white had been the third best celtic and he's shooting mm. like one percent sent in november um so everything we touch is just flat-out jinxed um and so who's next who's next on the list now i mean really what we need to do is say the meanest things we can about the team for the next 20 minutes and um that will turn it all around and they'll go on another 10 game winning streak and um yeah everything will be resolved if we just completely crap on them for the rest of this podcast (laughs) because apparently anytime anybody we praise is doomed um and I, I, I guess it can't entirely be our fault because I believe every other podcast was also saying nice things about them because they were the number one team in the league. And, and just, you know, it's all, it's been a rough couple of weeks. Um, <laughs> and I don't know how much of the, the actual blame can go to, uh, idiots like us, but, um, maybe some of it.
1: And I get you know, people complaining, you know, you don't even bring Ryan on to talk about, you know, the, the negative stuff. And so this is, this is what they get. You, we go positive and then things go to hell. So that's, um. Uh, that's the name of the game here right now, but it has been. I mean, it honestly predates the trip, the the West Coast trip, where the offense. Ever since I'd say what the the second, I, I guess you could blame the Royals. Maybe they've kind of the uh, the British Royals coming to town against the Heat. Um, I'm good think, with blaming them. Three weeks, yeah. So maybe we'll just go. We'll We'll pivot yeah. we'll further back because I think that's where the offense. That second game against the Heat, and pretty much every game since, barring the. Uh, the The Suns, you know, run away. The The offense has been, has not put together a strong 48 minutes together in pretty much any other game and has been showing all signs of regression. The career high shooting numbers for the Derek Whites and the Sam Housers of the world have come crashing back down to earth. And so I guess, I mean, offensively, let's just start there. Like, what are you seeing? Is this regression? Is this more than regression? It's a limited sample size. They were due for some of this, but what 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 do you what do you kind of pick apart here from what we've seen in these last you know ten plus games that have has gone already? Yeah, um, I mean it's more than regression. It's
0: like in some cases and a large part it's bad luck, right? They had good luck yeah. early in the year, and there's this thing that happens where. When your team is playing well, you never want to associate it with luck, right? So you look at them and say, oh, they're shooting 41 or 42, whatever it was, percent from three. And you say, well, that, that can, yeah, that can continue. Like, look at how good of shots they're getting. Look at the players you're getting. And like, really in the back of your mind or in the front of your mind, like you should know that it won't. That that's not, like, the odds of that continuing are not good. Uh, it's possible, but it's like just thinking like look they're gonna they get a lot of open shots and they have really good players like a lot of teams in the past have gotten open shots and had good players and they didn't shoot 42 percent for the season from three but in the last six games they're shooting 29 from three and like that's also not that's not regression right regression regression to the mean is when you're good or bad and you regress to the mean the like the average it's not that you swing wildly back the other way and then forward like if you have good luck then regression should be regression to the mean and you will net at the end be above average sure. because you played well. for You had got lucky for a period of time and then were average for a period of time and that ends up being, right? It's not that it just like swings wildly back and forth and everybody is, ends up exactly average because not everybody ends up exactly average, right? Like there is a spread on these things. Uh, and they have swung wildly the other way to the point of in, in some amount it, it being bad luck. There are other things involved in there as well. They, they haven't really ever had their complete team together. They're integrating rob i don't think that's been like a huge thing he hasn't been playing a a ton of minutes um so there's other things that are involved in their fatigue in terms of the road trip and, and all that but like the fact that they're shooting as poorly as they are is i think in large part bad luck following a run of good luck um and that that really then does seem to seep into everything else uh so all the other parts of their game are not directly tied to that like hey we're missing threes and so why are we turning the ball over more and playing terrible defense like they're not directly associated but like in the modern NBA they are associated they when when the shots aren't falling particularly threes and your offense is built around taking 40 something threes every game everything else just sort of like it saps the energy and the focus and players start depressed and do different things but I do think a lot of it does tie back to like you know a balancing out here of of bad luck following good luck and and we're now probably seeing closer to like what the team really is in terms of the total where it's like okay they're on pace for like 56 wins something like that doesn't feel like it right now because you're losing a bunch of games you're in a fight with the Cavs and the Bucks for top of the division like maybe that's really more of what the team should have been all the time um but right now it's just like maybe the, the second half of this last game it starts to it starts to turn around again but they just went through a period where like really good shooters getting pretty good shots like Nothing was going in. Um, and I don't know what to associate that to other than like bad luck and fatigue.
1: I'll say this on top of those two things. And I'll, I'll agree a few on, you know, both of those points pretty strongly. But I do think that opposing defenses are kind of, you know, they've got 20 games of film now on this offense and on the, the same house or the ward, if what you will. And they're kind of wisening up in terms of, okay, like, let's take certain stuff away or take, you know, whether it's, you know, taking the passes away from guys like Jalen Brown and Malcolm Brogdon on some of these drives, whether it's making Hauser a little bit more uncomfortable or obviously leaving, giving him just a little bit more attention than he got at the beginning of the year where he obviously has earned that respect from a lot of defenses now where um, finding his rhythm isn't as much as isn't coming as easily as it was and so little things like that. I mean, it's tough to tell when the 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 pendulum swings so far to the other side in terms of how much of that is, you know, factored into those. You know, the shooting the twenty nine percent over that span. But um, I do wonder now, like big picture, it it opens up a host of doors. Like I'm very curious to see. I think it's pretty clear that Joe Mazula ideally likes to play, you know, fast and smaller with one big on the floor a lot of the time. And so now with Rob Williams being slowly integrated back in, coming off the bench, which isn't a huge surprise to start, but I wonder still, like, is, like, how quickly are they going to get back to a starting five with Rob and Al as the front court? Is that going to be, like, a matter, is that going to be strictly a matchup thing? Is that going to be a permanent thing? Like, all these things become a little more interesting because the decisions aren't as easy if the offense you know, continues to look at this for another five or 10 games.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, similar to what I was saying about how we tell ourselves the story that the team can continue to do something outlier forever because it's like, well, we get these really good shots. I, to an an extent, I think that the, what you're saying is the, the sort of just other side of that coin where it's like, Oh, things are going really bad. So teams must have gotten film and figured it out and, and all this and that, like, I just don't think that the regular season is so much like that. Like, yeah, Sam Hauser is more highlighted on the scouting report than he was before, but like should shooting like twenty percent on open corner threes. Like some of I don't like I just don't think that that's a matter of like scouting and changing patterns. Teams don't really have time to do a lot of that scouting and and building special plans. They can put him out on the, the scouting pro, Hey guys, like sure. more of like a do little you guys bit more, respect But it's like, a bit. like but yeah, I yeah, get your bigger sure, point. It's but, not a playoff series. It's not. I just series. think that it's like it's just the opposite end of that same thing. Of like we tell a story to explain something that is in large part just kind of what happens during the season, like the ebbs and flows of luck and shooting. Um, And it's not entirely that it's not entirely luck. Sure. Like scouting and coaching matters and execution matters and effort matters and, and all of those things. But if the Celtics shoot 40% from threes for the next 10 games, like they're going to go eight and two. And if they shoot 29%, they're going to go three and seven. And like, if the history of like modern NBA three point shooting tells us much, it's that it's like the defense doesn't really control that. A lot of that is just like if the ball goes in or not. Um, And so I, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know how much to to put into that. Like on the other question we said in the last time that we talked, like I think that the ultimate goal needs to be getting back to the starting five from last year. Uh, and I continue to think that. A lot of that hinges on how well, again, it comes down to shooting, like how well Al Horford is shooting. You know, the end of that second Magic game, Al gets like four wide open threes. And it, it all four of them felt like if he makes one of these, the Celtics go on and win it. And he, lo- and he misses all of them. Whereas earlier in the year, he was making everything, right? He was leading the, or second in the league at one point point in shooting threes on a relatively high volume. And then he gets these like wide open threes in the last couple of weeks. None of them go in. The team loses all these games. And if he's missing those threes, it's a lot harder to put Rob Williams on the floor with him. If they go through a period where he's making everything, is that the moment where a coach looks at it and says, oh, now I can put Rob Williams with him. But again, like how much of that is actual versus luck. And then, you know, you, you make that change and then he has a bad week of shooting. And then it's like, oh, the spacing is terrible. And you, you just sort of swing back and forth on these things of like the nature of a team built to shoot 42 threes a game is going to have weird things that happen. And it's like the right thing to do mathematically. It's the, the highest ceiling for the team in a, in a game where only one team can win title like you want to have a high ceiling all that kind of stuff but it it does really kind of screw things up and to me like the goal no matter how things look kind of has to be like last year we saw what this team can be with Robert Williams and Al Horford playing together and it was so dominant that you have to get back to that and then stick with it for a prolonged period of time and give it a chance to succeed even with the different personnel they have now and how the fact that they don't have a really reliable backup big but they have a plethora of backup guards makes it like sort of harder to do that But I just think that that lineup was so good that you, you have to try to get back. Like you have to give it a real chance to be like your team again, I I think. And that may mean that you need to make a trade at some point to balance. And we've sort of talked before about why make a trade. And now with them losing games, a a trade feels more on the table to sort of balance that and make that possible. Maybe.
1: Yeah. hundred percent on that. And we'll get to that in a minute here, but yeah, the default has to be Rob and Al, like just to try to get back. And it's, there's no guarantee you get to recreate what the what we saw last year with that, you know, starting five lineup because every year is its own entity. But with the way I think that's the one pretty big upside of the last, you know, five or ten games is I think Rob has looked probably as good as you can hope. Um, in these, certainly in the, in the his last game against the the Pacers, where he was, you know, kind of dominating the offensive glass, and I think he's moving pretty well, all things considered, given how long of a layoff he's had and a lot of the stuff is that he's had issues with is just you know expected rust when you've had been away from competitive basketball for six months so the the fact that he's doing that he's been able to play these games at you know 20 22 minutes there and so I think once you get to that level maybe it's going to be you know they'll move up the timetable a little bit with this rut right now just to see what it looks like with the starting five or maybe they're going to keep playing the long game with it because they want to keep his minutes down. And it's easier to do that when he's coming off the bench. Um, but all things considered, I it, it's clear to me now, that I feel like Rob, Rob is probably going to be the default guy on the floor a lot, or should be at the end of these games. And then it'll be a matter of like, if, if Alice hitting shots, like that's probably your best closing lineup too, if you put the two of them together. And, but if it's a night where he doesn't have it, then maybe you, you know, put someone in our spot whether you go smaller with Brogdon or you know Grant or whoever has it going that certain night yeah and I mean it's completely
0: reasonable if over the next whatever 10 or 15 games they they ramp up his minutes and it's a slow progression you would hope that they are able to find more minutes in there where the two of them can play together to to get right. you back to that but like I I get it they're not going to they're not going to go from, OK, he's playing 22 minutes and coming off the bench to like now he's the 36 minute or 35 or 34. They shouldn't go back to that guy, table. period. Like, like that should be off the table. Yeah, until you get to the playoffs and then it's like, right, you know. Um. So I understand that it's not going to happen like overnight and there's plenty of games left in the season or to get there. My point is just like that has to be there, there should be a, a plan in place to get there. Right. And I imagine that there is that there's a working with the training staff and the coaching staff and everybody else. Like, how are we going to get back to this point where we can where we have? a 20 game runway where we can try this again and see if it, if it's the same as it was last year. Cause like you said, there's no guarantee that it will be, but it was so good last year when he was healthy or when they were all healthy, that it's just like, you know, even when they were at the top of the league this year, it paled in comparison to how good they were in the second half of last year. When that unit was healthy together, that unit healthy together was like the most dominant 40 game stretch. You will ever thirty whatever 30 game stretch before you get hurt, I guess that you'll like ever see in terms of point differential. They were so good together. That you, you again, you just I think have to be working towards that. But right at the moment, it's completely understandable that like you can't just throw them all out there and be like, here you go. All you play your 20 minutes with with Horford, and then we play Cornet Where you know, I, I get it. Um, but I do think that that is the, the end game here in terms of like what the highest ceiling is for, for the team. Um, it's just unfortunate that he comes back into losing streak and everything is all sort of screwed up. And now you wonder if they'll make other change, what changes they'll make in order to just sort of stabilize things right now. Cause it's hard to continue down the line of like a long-term plan when it's like, okay, the long-term plan is all well and good, but like, we gotta, we gotta like patch the holes in the ship right now. Um, and we've seen that both Brad and maybe even more frequently last year with, with Edoka, that the tendency at that point is to like play a couple games where you go to like a seven man rotation, right? It's like, I'm going to trust these guys to get me a win. Cause I need a win right now. And that can kind of mess up some of that planning. Uh, and again, like it's understandable. And and I, if that's what happens, then you just sort of say, okay, as long as they win the game, usually you do. I mean, that was one of the things that both Brad and Ime had success with was picking those games where you're just going to cut the cut the rotation to like seven guys when you really feel like you need to win, and then actually getting it. Uh, so we may see that. But then over over the period of time, I do think it's you're working back towards towards Al and Rob together, um, and then fitting in the rest of the pieces around that as best you can.
1: First, we're going to hear sponsor Ben Online. Remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season. Everything from NFL and bowl season to esports. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, game trends, at bat online. Everything from NFL and bowl season to esports. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, game trends, at bat online, which features live betting, free contests, live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. It's the Fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite leagues and events. So head on over to BetOnline.ag to join. Receive your 50% welcome bonus with that first deposit. Use the promo code CLSFD to receive your rewards. but online where the game starts. So, knowing that that is the long term, you know, goal here. What do you think about any, you know, not significant changes if you're Joe Missoula, just in the interim to kind of stabilize things right now, um, or is it just a matter of, you know, executing better and obviously having luck swing your way a little bit more as far as the the wide open threes go. Yeah, I mean, I guess one of
0: the things we'll see is if these illnesses that the team has been popping up with become more of a sure. a thing, Yep. Um, as we've seen in, in recent years. I know they've been saying they're non-COVID, but anybody, including myself, uh, who's <laughs> living in the world right now, knows that like everybody is sick and we're having all these things. And so I'm a little bit worried that there's going to be a crash across the league in terms of like who what your actual options are maybe taken away from you. If the team is healthy and um, you have all of your options, I do wonder if they cut down on on the rotation and maybe with how poorly Derek White has been shooting, say, like, hey, we're gonna lean on Malcolm Brogdon here, whose you know, shot is more consistent and reliable. Um, I know Hauser hasn't been shooting, he made a couple of threes the second half of last game. Like maybe they look like you know, they just sort of cut the rotation to be like, look, we need the ball to go in the hole. Um, and you you get a game or two where it's like you, you kind of shift it around that way. Um if smart is out um uh, again then I think that sort of even would be the natural thing. Like you can see that they don't want to move. We talked about this with with uh, why Blake Griffin starts when Al is out. And it was like, I think they want to keep the guys who are naturally like coming off the bench, like a Grant Williams who comes off the bench more a Cornette. Like you don't want to elevate them and sort of mess with their role. And then you saw the same thing with Pritchard, I think starting instead of instead of Brogdon, you may be in a situation where it's like, you know what? We're going to start Brogdon
1: we're going to just go there. I don't think will for this team based on how they're handling it but you're not well I I know I don't think
0: so either like I don't think (laughs) they want to but I guess the question is if you feel like you have to do something different and the problem is that the ball isn't going in like starting Brogdon is an option right it's something that you can do different something that you can even just do this to your team like I'm taking this seriously we're going to do something different we have to stop doing what we've been doing even if it's like literally just like signaling and not something that you want to do or that you're like choosing to do you, you almost get forced into a corner how him, do
1: you think. think brogdon's been playing like he's yeah he's hitting shots i haven't been his defense has been so his defense has up. been really oh. exactly like he whether it's the and they've happened at some pretty crucial spots all yeah. year long when the loss is where he misses a box out or he yeah. just can't yeah. keep a guy and we you know that you can't keep a guy never, in front of him is the real yeah, yeah run early him. in the year and then recently right so that's where i wonder where it's like uh like if you're gonna lean on defense more, there, like he's not necessarily gonna help you on that front when he, but but with all just, things I mean, the problem is
0: that they can't make shots though, right? That's <laughs> the thing. It's like with all that said, right like yeah, Derek White, shots.
1: Derek White's shooting twenty five percent in his last ten games. Like that's yeah, yeah, exactly. And a lot of those are wide, wide open shots, and he should probably be like taking a lot more shots.
0: Single digit scoring. I mean, he's got one. He's scored what ten in one of these last handful of games? But it's like a lot of like four, six, seven point games. Um. Uh, and 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 the and if you sort of agree with me, which maybe you don't, that every, all of this sort of stems just from, like, if the threes go in, everything changes. If the threes go in, teams, the defenses just naturally react to the threat more, it opens up the driving lanes more, it becomes easier to drive and kick. You get better energy just because you're leading and the game is going your way and you feel good and the defense plays better and the other team starts to press because they're always chasing three-point possessions and all this stuff. Like, so much of it stems, especially in the regular season, when you're talking about, like, energy and focus above most other things. Um that like it would just solve so many problems if they have a game where they go 18 for 37 and Brogdon being on the floor more minutes with the way that Derek White's shooting now, even after you know, early in the year he was absolutely scorching hot on fire and it just fell apart. The shooting has just fallen apart in the last 10 games. And like you're not going to bench him long term. I'm not saying to even bench him entirely. I'm just saying, like, if you, if smart continues to have this illness and he can't start, like, do you just go, like, okay, we're going to start Brogdon, Brown, Tatum, Grant Williams, Al Horford, and just be like, we're going to just start the game trying to put a five out lineup out there with all guys, like the defense will, will, you know, will, will guard them all, um, just to try to get the lid off the hoop to start the game. And it's, I know they don't want to do that, but you also don't want to lose six out of seven games or seven out of eight, right? Like you just, you need to win a game here.
1: Yeah. And you're going to get Minnesota on Friday who are, you know, they're shorthanded right now. Yeah. But they're Towns better when they're short. Exactly, that, that's the problem. Like they're, you're, like, you're probably going to see a more dangerous offensive lineup because of that. Yeah.
0: Um, All these weird teams they've been, they've been hitting here where it's like, what, what team do you see each night? It's like, Orlando is terrible and now they're unbeatable and, Pacers are, Pacers are just sort of an interesting mid-level team. But, you know, you get the Clippers and they get their guys back. And you get the Warriors right before Steph gets hurt. And, you know, and now you're going to get this, this Minnesota team where it's like, yeah, they're shorthanded. But then Anthony Edwards is actually really good again because they're shorthanded. <laughs> uh,
1: so we'll see. As far as big picture standpoint, though, with this, and you brought it up in terms of like, all right, now this is not the perfect team. Or uh, the a team that looks to be a cut above the rest of the the NBA right now, with their guys falling back to earth, the shooting falling back to earth for for now. And there's been plenty of trade banter across the league with you know teams that are in much worse spots than the Celtics. And you look at where they are; it's like, oh yeah, if you told them before the year, still like, yeah, you guys are 22 and 10 after 32 games. Like, wow, that's fantastic. Like they take that in a heartbeat. But now when you're get to it at this point it kind of opens up the door of where, okay, where can we, you know, potentially give ourselves more options on the bench and who is that player right now that we want to think about adding to the bench with our, whether it's using Peyton Pritchard or future first round picks or down contract, whatever you're looking at there. So has has anything that's happened here changed in terms of what you're looking at for those pieces or what, what direction you would try to lean towards in terms of, if you're making any kind of addition to the, you know, guy 10, 11, 12 on the Celtics bench.
0: I mean, you're still in the position where it's like
1: guy 10, 11, 12. It's hard
0: to see them making that much of a difference. Like, what do you really want to invest in a guy who then you aren't going to play in the, in, in the playoffs? Yeah. Uh, There's some amount of interest in like, what are the team, who are the teams that are falling out and falling apart? And do you go for something bigger than that? And say like the team that we saw to this point in the year, yeah, it's been bad for the last couple of weeks, but like, we know that their ceiling is extremely high and if you know the raptors or the bulls or who you know if one of these teams decides wizards uh yeah sure they never want to break anything up but even the (laughs) hawks right like the Hawks, any of these teams look at where they are and are like this just isn't like doing what we want to do and yeah they're already out a first round pick which makes it harder to, to do these things but like you know is there a move out there where you actually do push in and it's like it's it's a bigger move Um, and again, it's like hard to see what that is because all the guys you have on those salaries that are, that are big enough to go after one of the guys on the Raptors or the Hawks or, you know, whatever, pick their names, right. OG Ananobi and John Collins and all the guys that we've talked about over the last couple of years, when it felt more pressing that they needed, maybe needed to make a change. Getting up to that contract is, is not easy. Um, Derek White keeps shooting like this though. Yeah. Derek White. I mean, (laughs) really, that is sort of where, you you know, but he's not going to be super valuable to like. Yeah, no, I guess those teams be wouldn't filler. be rebuilding. It depends what team you're talking about and how much of a rebuild they're looking to go into versus a retool and all and all that. Um, but like, there is that question of you know, do you do you look at this team and say, look, we were just 22 and whatever they were, you know, a couple of weeks ago, and looking like the best team in the league, and like we think when we get to the playoffs, we'll be back there, and Rob's coming back, and it's like, do we actually invest another two first round picks and a player and go after somebody bigger? Um, unlikely that kind of trade is always unlikely in the middle of the season but it's just like you're not going to trade a first round pick and gallinari and peyton pritchard to get a better ninth guy like it just doesn't make any sense to do in the long term uh even for a team with title aspirations like if that guy isn't going to play in the playoffs and it doesn't really change your title odds unless you really think that it's going to be the difference between the one or the two or the three seed um but that's again it's just like not likely to be the way things turn out um can you trade second round picks and whatever and just sort of you know what the challenge trade right it's we'll trade you peyton pritchard in second round picks and we get your other guy who's sort of at the same point in his career but plays a different position um possible It's, it's, it's again hard to find those trades but like as they lose more games and as it becomes more of a mess at the top of the the conference then obviously a trade seems to become more likely um because there's then more value even in the regular season like if you're running away with the with the conference then there's no real need to chase 62 wins versus 60 wins, right? There's just not a whole lot of value there. If you're talking about getting to 56 wins in the 1 seed instead of 54 wins in the 3 seed, like that actually does have you know, have value that you may may need to go after.
1: So, you brought up the second round picks. Do you know how many second round picks the Celtics have this year?
0: It's they have possibly four, right? <laughs> but so, not necessarily.
1: Yeah. It looks like realistically it's three. Right. It's going to be three. three. So they one they they have technically four. One is, um, uh, protected thirty-one fifty-five from Orlando. So that that's not a real pick. But the real interesting one is like they them. have a they have one from Houston. That's but
0: protected. it's like Houston or somebody else or somebody else. Yeah, it's a other very other. complex yeah.
1: stuff. It's protected thirty-one thirty-two. But as of right now, according to Tankathon, they would get that pick at number thirty-three if the, the Rockets stay in that spot. They also have one from portland from like i I think that's been traded around six different times and so that's like 48 so they actually and then they have their own which is obviously at the very end of the draft so they actually do have potentially a useful second round i mean a 33 overall pick like that's you know it's obviously not a first round pick but that's a, a useful uh something that will get you know potentially yeah, push it, you over the top with other unless players.
0: it's 31 or 32 and yeah <laughs> right but that's like um, how much how but you, much don't, you don't, know obviously teams that. don't know that like somebody may be willing right. to to roll the dice on that as a as a an actual asset and not just something that's completely out there they also i mean i've said before like jd davidson and bigger on it sure. are probably worth more than the 45th pick in the draft like there are some other things out there that are sort of similarly valued to a mid-second round pick that that maybe they would be able to include in trades and, and if you put together one of those players and that pick and Peyton Pritchard and Gallinari like does that get you enough to get an upgrade to a guy who's going to play in your rotation again like if the last guy in your rotation if the last guys in your rotation right now are like Hauser and I mean Grant Williams like those are the last guys in your playoff rotation it's like it's you're not going to get a player better than than those I don't think so it, I don't know it's it's hard to to figure out where the the value is unless you take a bigger swing than that but again like if you're talking about regular season and and one different one win being the difference between being home or or on the road in game seven like there is actual value there so maybe they they do something um but don't like you ask me to go look at the trade machine right now i'm like i i can't find anything that makes much sense um right
1: so, yeah and honestly the, the the decision for now for this it's like you you i don't you don't almost want another three or four weeks here to look at, okay, what do we look like with Rob? What do we look like with Rob and Al playing together and with other parts of the rotation kind of settling itself up. But at um, the same time, you know, you look at Brooklyn's freaking two games behind you now yep. somehow. And, and there's Phillies right there too. is and...
0: won six in a row. And then so. the Knicks have won a bunch in a row. Like every, the Cavs have a better point, have the best point differential now and only half game back. Yeah, I mean, it's not East just good. that they've been losing. It's that everybody else has been a lot not everybody, but you know, a lot of other teams have been been really climbing at the same time. So it's it's getting much more interesting than it was last time we talked, unfortunately.
1: Yeah. So well, we'll be keeping tabs on that as we the calendar turns to January and I would expect action to pick up around the league as we get into those months when teams start making a decision what way they want to go this year one way or the other. But um Ryan Happy holidays! Hope everyone keeps feeling better in the, in the house. Well, I know it's been a rough few weeks for you guys, as it's probably been for anyone out there who has young kids for the last few months. Um, and yeah, we'll see if the Celtics. I don't know when the last time they won on Christmas was, but it feels like it's been a, a little bit. <laughs>
0: well, happy holidays to you too, and to to everybody out in listener world. And uh yeah, hopefully we get a Christmas a Christmas miracle.
1: All right, thanks for listening, everyone. Rate, review, subscribe um, to the Wing Place pod, and we will talk to you next week with some reaction to that Christmas game and much more.